0: Wait, were you were you in a brown leather jacket in that video? And it was like lit in like noir style and put in color? I'm not sure. I was wearing a, I was wearing a jacket, I think. Were I'm you a black one? Is it
1: so is I it don't still if is on,
2: is on the photographers remember videos? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the lighting
2: structure the pace of the editing. It's, is that the one that was like noir style with yeah. the
0: with the leather coat which played well against Did, the- did you self-compose <laughs> for that video <laughs> in the real?
2: You're listening to the guys who do stuff podcasts. Get unstuck, tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what are you doing today? On today's episode, we have Dave Shea, wedding photographer, father, husband, taco hunter, extraordinaire. And Dave talks about how he nearly lost it all and what he has learned about growing and building a business so that you can enjoy your life.
1: 250 weddings in seven years. Um, so I'm averaging some time somewhere around double that.
0: Well, you look like you're in your 20s. How, yeah. how is that possible? <laughs> the, uh, the age doesn't show too much just yet. So how did you get so successful so young? What do you think were some of the contributing factors to that?
1: Well, so I had and, it, and it's a I'm always hesitant to say this because there's such a fallacy built around hustle. hustled hard. Uh, and I started out where everyone else wanted to shoot. And so I was like, I'm going to shoot as many as I possibly can. And I'm just going to go and what do you any think? Chance.
2: What do you think the fallacy around hustle is? Cause I think it's part of, it's true. Hustle, too. Hustle. I think I'm with you. Uh, on, yeah. hustle. I'm with you on like, yes, you should work hard. I don't know if, yep. but there's something about the hustle mentality that, that rubs me the wrong way. I'm curious what rubs you the wrong way,
1: man. I don't know if it's just creatives or if it's just this, this rising culture over the last decade or so, but people are like, Oh, if you want to hit the American dream, you got to make it. And there's so much more competition. And we were growing up like, you well, know, we were growing up. We were told yeah, yeah you can do anything, whatever. And yeah, the, I think Gary
0: V's crush it. It's the, is the tipping point there. Right?
1: Yeah. And it's very like, and I love a lot of the stuff that Gary puts out and he's like, I just do this and get up at like 3am and do this stuff. And the thing is so many people will ruin their life to build a life. And so they, they talk about going into, I'm going to try and start my own business. I'm going to try and launch this new venture, do whatever it is. And they throw 90 to 150 hours a week at it, which is awesome. And sometimes that's what it takes, but you have to do that for a time. It can't be a lifestyle. So if I've got like a 90 hour week coming up where I know like, I'm going to go real hard this week, trying to get as much stuff done as possible that next week I'm taking completely off because my wife is important to me. My kids are important to
0: Mm, me and it doesn't
1: matter what I build in a business. If I ruin the rest of my life.
2: Yeah. I think that's part of it for me. There's no recognition of the seasonality of life in hustle mentality. Yeah. It's Mm. like, I'm just going to keep busy. And I think keeping busy is a mistake. Um, You should work hard. But when I say, I think keeping busy is a mistake. This is what I mean. I mean, not prioritizing what are the important things and focusing on those things regardless of how long they take you. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I think that's the mistake. Like I'm just doing stuff. I'm doing stuff. I'm doing stuff. And sometimes that something sticks and you get lucky, Mm -hmm. but that's part of the problem. I think I have with the, the way that hustle is portrayed right now. It's not a thinking man's game. It's like copy paste what you see other people are doing. It's very, it's a very like, look at what I'm doing as opposed to I'm being very thoughtful and intentional about the way that I'm spending my time. And you just mentioned what I think is a great phrase. Like, I don't think a lot of people think about it that way. How do you build a life instead of like, how do you live one? Mm.
0: That's,
1: I mean, that became a huge thing for me. So I I was mentioned a little off the air or, Potentially on, I'm not
0: sure. We're uh, always recording. <laughs> we'll go back and record an intro yeah. later and we'll just choose when to start. We had you mic'd when you rolled in the driveway. <laughs>
2: Got mics in the trees out there.
1: <laughs> and uh but like I almost ruined I almost lost everything in the sake of hustle. I mean, I I got into this and I wanted to be the best photographer in New York and New York is not an easy market to survive in as a photographer. <laughs> it's not an easy market to survive in anything.
0: Did you have formal training?
1: No, I, I took an intro to digital photography course and then I wound up working with the professor that summer and just shadowing. And then everything else I learned from like free apprenticeships, mm-hmm. like I would just show up and carry people's bags that I didn't yeah. know. I just liked their work. And I was like, Hey, maybe if I watch them enough. Yeah. So like, I wasn't even shooting half the time. I would just watch people. On the wedding days and what they do. Isn't that think. crazy that principle? Like, I tried to be self taught with digital stuff. Like,
2: I, I would take the online course. I would, I was the guy that would read the Adobe Creative Suite manual when it came out in the box, the one you paid like $2,600 for. Yeah. And then I'd go to the store and buy the supplemental. At the time, it was like <laughs> Macromedia's <laughs> Guide to Dr- Dreamweaver that was like seven, 800 pages. And I would pour through that thing. And then when you meet somebody that already knew how to do it, or when you would meet someone like that and get the opportunity to sit down with them for an hour and 30 minutes and pick their brain, I would learn infinitely more mm. in that hour to 30 minutes than I would from just struggling with the source material. Yeah. Cause you learn so much from people who have experience. You learn their tips, their tricks, their shortcuts, their secrets. And what you're getting is the wisdom of their experience
0: yeah. versus like, yeah, just, regular old instruction. And that's kind of like where you are also gifted, Dave, right? You're in a, you have, you have, you teach people things. So you have a a teacher's gift and you, um, you consult on Lightroom with folks. What else do you do in that area?
1: So, I mean, on the, on the mark, so the heart of it is, is that I care about people's life and the life they're building. And I think creatives fall into a trap so easily. And so what I really want to do is I want to help people build a better life in the sense of you're working hard, you're doing this stuff. You're not setting up systems in place by default. Most people are sending the same email out 60 times a month um, without thinking about it. And so taking the time to stop, analyze your systems, analyze what you're doing, what you're spending your time on, and then really get those under control so that you're not just throwing your life away. I mean, the thing is, if you start to, I'm I'm back to that hustle fallacy, you start to ingrain yourself and you have to do every single part of this business. You built two problems. First off, you can't take a sick day. And I know better than I've had. I've shot in some horrible conditions and I've done all this stuff because I built a business around myself, not around my ideals. And that was something that I, I really screwed up. What do you mean yourself? No one could do my job, but me. I was so around
2: your capacity, your your time time and your, your expertise. Yeah, Yeah.
1: So like I was the one that knew where all the marketing stuff was. I was the one doing the website. I was the one doing the accountant. I was the one doing every single part of my business. And first off I was burning out fast But second off, I was operating way outside of what I'm even able to do. I was terrible at (laughs) website design, as other people in this room can attest to. Like, I was terrible at all these things. Thanks for letting me read your website, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Joe's not terrible, Dave. Shame on you. (laughs) Like, there's so much stuff that I was, it, it was built around me. And so now I had built this cornerstone of the business around me instead of about what I was passionate about. And so then when I started to actually have to run the thing, it became a huge job, way worse than the one I had left to go start this thing. Yeah, And uh, it really became a, a big deal. And so when I decided to start teaching, I was like, I want to help people when they do go into this field. I want them to build a life that's actually worth living. Like, cause I've built a life. I left 110 hour work weeks as an engineer to work 130 hour work weeks for yeah. myself below minimum wage. Cause at a certain point you're not thinking so about what you're making so wait, per hour.
0: All right. So rewind, you were an engineer. So I'm, that's a, you, you seem like the kind of guy who came out of the womb with a camera <laughs> and just started. <laughs> it was awkward it. for mom. Yeah, in the dark. yeah. 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 Good thing. It wasn't a DSLR. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, uh, so
1: I, I actually didn't get into the, the camera industry in any way on purpose. Uh, I actually got recruited by Fujifilm.
0: Awesome, Fujifilm, Fuji. love you, <laughs> love you. I'm still Team Nikon. I'm sorry. I'll be an um, ex-photographer in Raleigh, North <laughs> Carolina. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> and uh, and so I got hired by Fujifilm, but I worked in their medical department, uh, mm. so I didn't work on cameras at all. Yeah, was,
0: a lot of people don't know that about Fuji. They make medical, they make, medical, they make military like oh, lens. Yeah, I mean, they're just stuff. hardcore good. Yeah, and it's
1: it's cool stuff. I mean, that was probably one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. Like, have you ever seen on on house? They put these scopes down people's throats to like mm. check stuff out. I used to fix those, and it was just a super random Dude, job. Right, so
0: that was New Jersey, that area of the yep. country. You were employed at Fujifilm as an engineer yep. on the medical side. Yeah. And that was and your I, entry into like the photography hardware world. Yeah. And yeah. so
1: I had started out there and I was working with um, I had started to build my business and so I was photographing like some proposals or like some little things for free um, or like for like.
0: Super so you picked up, up a camera. There. You were an engineer. You picked up a camera.
1: Yeah. So I, well, so I was actually, so the intro to digital photography course I took, um, I got my camera. I started playing around with it and I started working with the professor that summer. I left college that summer, started working for Fujifilm that same summer. Did
0: you get a Fujifilm camera? Was that your first one? Nope. I got a Nikon.
1: Um, yeah. I actually got a Nikon and a Canon that year. Well, Fujifilm kind of
0: sucked it. back then.
1: Fuji was... I, Fuji's colors have always been amazing and I will not go completely down the rabbit hole, but uh, it was always a user experience thing for me and I just wanted something that was easy for me to use. Um, So why do you choose Nikon? So now the reason I use Nikon is because I shoot in unreasonable conditions. Uh, (laughs) Like there's been two flood warnings in uh, the Carolinas in the last six months and I've had weddings in both of them where I've been outside just getting drenched and downpoured on and there is not another system in this world that I trust right. the way I trust
0: those Nikons. <laughs> right on. I mean, some could say that for the 1DX series and all, but the, but yeah. the heavy duty DSLRs that are weatherproof, the Peter McKinnon stuff, the, yeah. all that is just, okay, I got oh, you. Yeah. It's hard to beat it. I mean, I got a Fuji film. I got two of them and they're Now they're made in China, which doesn't mean it's horrible, but they're not known to be as robust, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, if I so like, and I have a Fuji, I've got a Fuji for my personal work. Um,
0: See your personal work. So, oh yeah. So mm-hmm. when I'm not,
1: when I'm not under the time crunch or under the like, I need this to work in every single condition. I've, I've gone to Fuji for a lot of stuff um, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, specifically because I think I worked there and I, I really got to look at what their stuff, what separated them from everyone else. Um, and it's funny cause I wound up working for Leica shortly after that and super, super high end cameras. Yeah. And I shot, uh, my first full year of weddings on two Leica medium format cameras, Jeez, <laughs> like,
0: all sorts of crazy stuff. That's <laughs> your secret to your kickstarting your career right there.
1: Well, the funny thing is I scroll back through that stuff, man. And you're talking like a $30,000 camera body, $12,000 lenses. Like you're talking them
0: and it a, shows a, a right big, in the finished. Uh, see, it's that's hard the, to tell.
1: Well, so that's the thing, man. I didn't know what I was doing with it back then. And so I get into this and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to kind of gear up. I'm getting that hustle on. I'm, I'm, I'm really shooting every weekend and I'm shooting yeah. with this stuff and I could do nothing with it. And now, like, if you were to put my portfolio with a hundred thousand dollars worth of camera equipment versus the probably like 40 or 50,000 that I use now of all Nikon gear, yeah. I'm taking my Nikon shots all the way to the bank. Like I'm not, I I'm not touching that stuff. I
2: totally agree. I think there's this, I got the opportunity to work with filmmakers for a while for a couple of years. And, and it's amazing that skill trumps gear, oh, yeah. but gear plus skill <laughs> is like... <laughs> Like you can absolutely, I totally agree. You can tell when somebody's using good gear. Like you can tell good glass versus bad glass. Yeah. But that doesn't trump skill. Like I, I remember we had the opportunity to interview a gentleman who only had a T two I in the kit lens,
0: and his stuff was amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Like amazing. Like he might not have had the money to invest in the gear but come on. So
0: you didn't hire him and now he's on the street, Joe. Well, he, he
2: was too far away. And, <laughs> oh,
0: gosh. Yeah.
2: I
1: mean, if I wasn't doing weddings where I'm in these crazy situations, like uh, it was in that flood warning two weeks ago and I mean, I had rain pouring over my camera to the point where like it took me towels and everything to dry off everything the day before. Like I would shoot with like at this point, probably
0: $1,000 worth of equipment. like. So what do you think about the whole mirrorless transition now? Are you going to go, are you on the bandwagon?
1: I'm waiting. Uh, so there's a lot of cons to mirrorless. And i so I'm, I'm very much, I'm in the tech. So when I was at Leica and everything, like I've built cameras from spare parts. So like, I know the ins and outs of those things. You're a freaking
0: legend, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Gosh,
1: I've, uh, I mean, I've done a lot of stuff with inside the industry. Yeah. And so like I've assembled stuff. I know exactly what happens when these things get shot in certain situations and all these things. And so when it came to mirrorless and the Trend that it was going, there's a lot of, there's a huge amount of, I mean, specifically for what I do with weddings, a ceremony, the fact that I can shoot silently for an entire ceremony yeah. is probably the most tempting thing in the world
0: because it's not about me. The Nikon can't quite get there, right? Well, so the
1: the Nikon mirrorless does, um, the new one, but my 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 D4S sounds like a, a machine gun going off <laughs> if it's in a stone church. It, it's great <laughs> if, you're going,
2: if you're going for the vibe of like paparazzi then yeah. That yeah. it adds to the ambiance. Yeah, yeah.
0: Did you guys see this uh, first pitch of the White Sox game where the girl messes up and hits it's the cameraman the it's <laughs> hilarious it just came out so it's, it's not old news but it's it, yeah she's going to throw the first pitch and she just totally throws it to the left and it hits the guy shooting the photo right Pops square in the, the head in the oh. camera the body, <laughs> yeah. body of the camera oh, and i saw man. a comment on facebook said that wouldn't have survived if it were a mirrorless camera
1: It's, i mean I, and i've had i've shot enough weddings at this point where like i've had two cameras die on me in the same day and so like i shoot with a camera and a backup camera well, i had both of those die and I, I, I've got a second backup because that's. Oh, I wanted the story
2: to end with, and that's the first wedding I shot on an iPhone, <laughs> <laughs> and it <Nope>. was
1: amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I like my best work, <laughs> my opus. <laughs> oh man, I've like so I broke one, broke another, and I was like, well. And I like went, I I always bring an assistant, a second shooter. I was like, all right, well, I need one of your cameras now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're rolling
0: deep in this one. (laughs) Like
1: went over to them and started shooting there. And so like, I've had all these different things, but when it comes to the mirrorless world, the biggest thing that I, the biggest reason I haven't switched is because they're just not there. It's such new tech. I mean, SLR is like, I didn't, I didn't come in when SLRs were first coming out, like that. those that existed for forever. And the switch to digital, I wasn't part of that kind of migration. But most of the people that did, they shot on film for an extra year and a half, two years, before they ever thought about making the switch to a new system because they knew they could do the job on this one. They didn't need to jack up their entire workflow, their entire system to start over until it had been established. And I think the mirrorless thing, for me at least, is just a little too new. People are just ironing it out. Like this, The Sony thing is a huge thing right now. But with Sony's, the thing is, like, they've had two generations total of cameras that are usable in a professional setting. And I hate saying that because, like, they asked me to preview them a few years ago. I gave them some feedback on some things.
0: Well, good, honest <laughs> feedback is valuable in the marketplace. And, yeah. you know, you got to go with that, right?
1: Well, I, exactly. And so that's, I gave them for the feedback and I was like, this isn't ready yet for the professional use, specifically in the wedding world. And the wedding world mm-hmm. is different than other places, um, whereas you you can't redo things, you can't reshoot, you've got all this time and money and energy and all this has gone into a day and motion is more involved in a wedding than any other type of shoot that I will do on this planet. Um, and so because of that, like there was just stuff that like having dual memory card slots, which is a big reason I haven't switched to the Nikon one yet. Um, and I've taken the Nikon one out for a spin, the Nikon mirrorless, the colors are unreal. Like they are fantastic. Hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm a very I'm very loyal to Fujifilm when it comes to colors. Fuji's always-
0: When you color. say that, do you mean shoot JPEG straight out of the camera or do you mean oh, yeah. shoot RAW and use So when it? I
1: do my personal stuff, I shoot JPEG um, and Fuji's JPEG processing in their camera is amazing. I get it. Uh, I so get I've got, it. got a little bit of contrast boosted up in there yeah.
0: and that's it. Sometimes I regret I wasn't in RAW though because I can't get the dynamic range out if I oh, underexposed yeah. it.
1: That's, I mean, so dynamic. So my editing is abusive to uh, RAW files and that's another reason I, I still shoot Nikon is- no one has the dynamic range, um, to be as, as rough on raw files as I think I
0: am. Yeah. So well, let me ask you this. we've talked a lot about good, positive stuff. Let's take it down. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm going to insert <laughs> some music right there. If I was, like, we had a what, what keeps you up at night?
1: What keeps me up? So the thing that really messes with me, um, <clears throat> is that work-life balance, Scenario. It's what. So when I I grew up in a pretty rough home, I grew up in a pretty rough area, and the idea of what marriage and family should be is really important to me. Um, and it's it, I started off my marriage very intentionally. We got married real young, um, really young, and really intentional about we were going to have a good marriage.
0: Did you get married underage? Like we both were, of you were underage? Now, so we were,
1: we were, we were 19 and 21.
0: I heard was, a Southern accent. Yeah, oh yeah. There's, <laughs> he was 19
1: and 21. <laughs> there's a few ways to get that to roll on out. <laughs> I
0: heard you say stuff earlier too, you know? Yeah.
1: Oh, it, it'll, it'll come. I think I moved when, when we moved to the Carolinas, I have been kind of hiding things a little bit back <laughs> hiding, and it hiding. took, it took like Two. maybe three weeks and I was like, and we're back. <laughs> Uh, it's just, which is funny because now I'll shoot weddings in New York and I'm so used to it and I'll shoot weddings in New York. I shot one out it's in Iowa, I think, last year. And people are like, what part of Alabama are you from? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, Georgia, really? But. Um, so what keeps you up at night? Did, we, did you finish that? Yeah. So so the thing that keeps me up at night, I think, is that I really care a lot about marriage and family. I think the the keys to solving so many problems on such a deeper level really revolve around how we handle our relationships with in our inside of our house and outside of as
0: a culture. Yeah. It's so historically important that people are together right in a home and do things that keep the culture sort of.
1: Yeah. And it's, and I'm not saying every relationship should ever be so traditional or ever like there's not going to be a cookie cutter around it, but I want everyone to be healthy. And I think creative mindsets have this let's go roam, let's be free mentality And I think it's so easy for them to get caught up in the day to day of business and they get so knocked apart that they just wind up ruining their marriages.
0: Okay. I've got a question for you very Larry King esque. Gay marriages, yes or no? yes yes or no <laughs> it's up to you to decide it's up to me uh, yeah Do you shoot gay people yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, oh, no. Uh, no, no, uh, we'll take that out yeah um <laughs> we don't have to talk about that actually it's, it's yeah. not really anything we need to talk about
1: yeah um shot. i'm interested <laughs> yeah so
0: i i it's funny i was
1: actually talking about this uh with a friend of mine last night um and uh People come on all sorts of like, they get super heated about, they, they get hated just about anything right now. Because of the was,
2: political nature of the conversation. Which,
1: which yeah. And it, it's, it's political to some people. It's emotional to other people and it's experienced to third, this third group of people. And yeah. so like, there's all these types of people getting involved in all sorts of stuff. And it's just a, a mess of emotions coming in together. Uh, but so I'm, I, I've got a, a pretty decent relationship um, with my wife. I've got a pretty decent relationship with my church and my community. So I've got that kind of upward look and upward focus. And so when I first started out, like there was this temptation, like, do I believe gay marriage is right? Do I believe gay marriage is wrong? And then it dawned on me, I'm like, dude, I I can't get my own life in order for more than maybe 45 seconds at a go if I'm sleeping. (laughs) Like like, like, like I wake up and the first thing I do is like, I'm grouchy. And so I'm like, man, and I'm like, that's not healthy for my wife, for my marriage, for anything like that. Like, how am I going to look at somebody else's marriage and be like, hey. This is the way to do it. I know so much more than you or anything like that. And then
2: There's a big difference between separating the the political side of the conversation, which is at worst, like, what do you think about this? Yeah. At best, like what's best for everybody? Yeah. And separating that angle of the conversation, which is completely different than, let's say, somebody that, you know, who is a homosexual is getting married and they want you to share that event with them. When you take it down to that granular relationship level, oh yeah, then then the first conversation becomes more and more esoteric. <laughs> like yeah. like, why is that important in this particular exchange? Um, and I think like we all happen to go to the same church. I love what Mike said about it. He, he has asked the same question about like, would you perform a homosexual marriage? And he said, well, from the perspective of of a pastor, which is different than a photographer. Yeah, he said I wouldn't perform the marriage, um, but I would go to it. And that was an unpopular thing for him to say in the room of people he was in when he was sharing that. Yeah. But he was making the point that you're never going to influence anybody if you don't have a relationship with them, if they don't know yep. that you accept them, that you care about them. And unfortunately, this issue has become so politicized and everything that I fear that a lot of time when people are having the conversation, they're having a conversation about a a principle out there yep. That is not our role like we don't work in government, which is the role of government to decide things like that yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah we don't we don't sit in those seats and part of that conversation we get to vote that's awesome we live in a country where we get a say in that so we yeah. should keep informed and we should use our votes the way that matches our principles but we miss I feel this is what I feel is missing from the conversation a lot like when I see the debates on social media and stuff like who Who's caring about the person though, because there's a person on the other end of that conversation, yes. like a real human made in God's image with feelings, emotions, with parents, with yeah. siblings, with loved ones. And it's not as black and white or, um, I, I, don't, I don't know black and white is not the wrong thing. It's not that straightforward of a conversation yeah. to just be like, it's this or it's that, or it's nothing. Um, it's really just about, let's just use a name. Like say your name's Sarah. It's about Sarah. You know, what's going on in her life. Um, That's probably the way that I try to remind myself to think about it and not get so mired down in the political. So there's a point for that conversation. But I'm kind of with you on like when it comes to whether or not you attend or shoot or be a part of something that you disagree with. We do that kind of stuff all the time when it's not political stuff. Oh, we'll happily go to something that we'd rather not go to, to support a family member.
1: Well, Um, (laughs) That was the conversation. That's where the conversation tailed off last night. And and we were talking about this and and how a lot of my friends that have a belief in in God and aim for that relationship, they won't shoot uh, gay marriages or anything like that. But they'll also shoot people's weddings who were disagreeing with other parts of the Bible. And so they kind of have these little like pet sins or things like that. That's a weird
2: slippery slope, huh? I'm not cool with that, but you guys lived together before marriage, which also... I mean, okay. So sleeping together before marriage is biblically wrong. So living together, let's be realistic. If you're living together, you're probably sleeping together. Oh
1: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and so there's that, there's that discussion where you go, all right, well then if, if, if this is a matter of morality, what am I doing? But like the
2: truth is. What a weird screening process you'd have to go through as a photographer. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, and and I don't. Could you please list your six
1: months recent sins? (laughs) (laughs) I can make a judgment
2: call. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like. Do you going to just like host that yes.
1: questionnaire on your website and yes. uh, like right on your contact form? Like, are you doing these? Like, like am I getting background checks or like, am I going to hire you here? And like, and many, the truth of it, how many drinks do you plan on having at the wedding? <laughs> you know? And
2: that's like, how granular are you going to go like, with this thing? I, I,
1: and I don't shoot like <laughs> not every wedding I shoot is in a church. So like I, I've walked in a, like groomsmen getting ready and like three of them are doing lines of cocaine. And I'm like, well. I'll be outside. So you guys in a few minutes, but like you just come into this and you're just like, all right, well, you're supposed to have these really strong opinions about these certain few things. And the truth is like, I do what yeah. I do because I care about the health of people's relationships and what I can do to bring that on forward and yeah. bring that outward. And you, so- should,
0: you should have at least put the 50 mil prime on and made photographs of that Coke. Yeah. That would be a hit. <laughs> I,
1: I have a very strict policy at Moments Dave Shea of... Photography about not having anything
0: that can be subpoenaed. <laughs> and the amount of times I've had to reference that, i am like, Hey, no. That would be a horrible Seinfeld, like a Seinfeld episode where the photographer gets subpoenaed for. Dude, I,
1: I literally, I like have like a, like yeah. a Dave Shea Photography has like a corporate guideline type thing. Uh, it's like a, I don't remember what they call it. It's like, <laughs> rules of whatever engagement. And you, yeah. Basically. And you can like always go back bylaws. I think is what you, so you can have for yeah. your LLC, you get bylaws and that's one of them. It's just like, Hey, I don't want to be in court. Yeah. Like, it's
2: really, <laughs> that's a good tip. I think I like the idea of if we would spend as much time caring about the relationship or we would prioritize that above our political stance. I think we'd be in a better situation.
0: In, I, a, in a situation, In a, a yes. spitiation. <laughs> in the
2: in the majority of our spituations. <laughs> I don't lie.
1: care. I don't care what it is. Like that's the thing. Like it doesn't matter what issue it is, whatever. Like if your priority is the individual. Yeah. If you aren't prioritizing them, their emotions, their feelings, their
0: well-being, well, so like their growth, like. So I have a question for you is it back to business. You are expanding and and I know you guys are working on some cool new concepts you're going to be laying out where it's like time management. Yeah. How do you balance or how do you anticipate what are the challenges going to be balancing this whole new like I'm a virtual person now, my company and reaching me versus keeping in contact with the client.
1: Yeah. And, uh, so that's funny. Actually, I, I just did this, uh, an interview on scaling your business, uh, not too long ago. And the biggest thing is, so when you go into business for yourself, I think you, you prioritize this relationship, right? And so you, you start dealing with your clients, you like your clients, so you have them over your house all the time. You, you do whatever. So when I first started out, my wife and I would go out to like, we'd do an engagement session with them. We'd go out to dinner afterwards. And then after that, we'd go and on their wedding day, I'd show up like a couple hours early and do all this stuff. And so I started to like really build in this time. Well, the, that's where all of a sudden it became a slippery slope of I was spending hours and hours and hours in my business doing extra things for free, which were nice. But I started to take that same like personal approach to every single thing that I did inside my business. So if somebody owed me money rather than just have an automated system that would say, hey, your bills do. I would go and like, be like, Hey, I know this is this go and get for some while. Coffee. Yeah, but like, Hey, yeah. you got a check coming up. If you want to drop that off in person, let's hang out. Yeah. So I think you get, you come in with this, like you want to be super personal. You want to be super involved. But the problem is, is when you do that, you're not prioritizing your client. It may look like it, But you're burning yourself out and you're by the time you get to their wedding day, by the time you get to like the end of their contract, you're going to be exhausted. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to do the job you originally promised. Oh,
0: yeah. That's just like a bad trajectory of negativity that ends up in equaling bad pictures and.
1: Too just, much of a good thing, yeah. man. Like if you're going down that road, and the the bigger problem is that you're not going to hit your long term goal. So with every couple that I ever shoot their wedding, my main goal is I want to document their wedding day so that they have these memories for the rest. So of So
0: what their would life. you say is your why? What is under the surface with Dave Shea?
1: I know. So and and that's basically it. Comes back to so the funny thing is the training, this the photography, everything all comes out of that same desire where I just love seeing strong marriages. I love seeing. Fathers and mothers have good relationship with their kids. I love seeing like that healthy family dynamic. I think you, you really impact the family and you impact your community, your, your society, your culture.
0: You've probably seen that more than the average human being, like, like small percentage of the world, wedding photographers get to see those moments. And how those relationships play out on the dance floor and all that. And you're taking that in.
1: Oh, and I get to see them on a real level too. Cause I'm in, I'm shooting with a longer lens. So I'm tucked away from things sometimes. So people don't think I'm photographing. I tell every couple, I'm like, I'm going to photograph your story. If you don't like your story, don't hire me. <laughs> like if you're not sure you're about this whole this thing. Story, yeah. And I, I mean, I've photographed people where like, I get like six feet away from them or something like that. I get a little bit more pulled back and they start, they think I'm not taking pictures or whatever. And I see them on their wedding day, like swearing at each other or like super frustrated or angry. And, and you can see the the kind of bubbles that they haven't worked out in their relationship coming up to the surface. And so you see that tension, that anger and stuff. And that's behind the scenes. That's the story of their day. And that's the story of their relationship. It's just not healthy.
0: And you have to share those anyway, right? I do. Um, And
1: I'm like, hey, I want you guys to see it. I want you to be confronted by it, and I want you guys to get help on this. Like, look at this and say, like, "Hey, this isn't healthy." Like, man, we were on our wedding day, we were fighting. Like, wait, but you don't you there. don't
0: say you need some help? No,
1: no I mean probably oh, okay. not. That's uh, no, I'm not like photoshopping text. Like, hey, here's like a, a therapist phone number, like right up here. <laughs> yeah, that's a good ad space. <laughs> Marketing suicide, right there. But, <laughs> but what I will do is, I, on the flip side of things, man, when you get one of those couples or, or even just a family, and you can tell that the family above them, so their their parents on both sides are just super, super healthy. And you can see their marriage just super healthy as it starts off. And you like, I'll watch them grow and I'll see them as a family kind of grow into it. And it's crazy how much impact they have in their, in their entire, like their whole wedding day. So like, you're talking like wedding days have anywhere from like 50 to 400 people there. Yeah, And if the couple has an awesome relationship on that wedding day, every single one of their guests is amazing.
0: All right. I have a question. You've seen the movie Wedding Crashers, right? Yes. Have you ever met any, you know, real wedding crashers? Like, I've seen people be removed, we'll call it, on more than one occasion. And some
1: pretty fancy <laughs> were they events. strangers? I've seen uh, wedding horror stories is an a episode all of its own. Cause <laughs> I've seen I've had an EMS called at four separate weddings. What's the
0: craziest thing you ever remember happening?
1: I saw a, uh, let's see, I saw a. Bride and groom so drunk, the uh, cake knife went, missed the cake, got the bride's finger. Um,
0: oh, my gosh. Did you get a photo of it?
1: Oh, yeah. I was, I was, I couldn't figure out what was happening. Did was, she go
0: get stitches for it? Was it that yeah. bad? Oh, my gosh.
1: Um, I've seen groomsmen pass out at weddings, um, oh have gosh. to be stitched up on scene. I've seen.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And like I think back, but like the funny thing is, is like <laughs> most of my EMS Scenarios where somebody had to call emergency medical services okay. usually happened in Jersey, um, oh, if I'm being honest. Um, But, like, you've seen some of this stuff and how people handle things when stuff goes wrong is its own, like, you can say it just all ties back to the health of that relationship. Yeah, right on. And so, like, you see some stuff where it goes wrong and then people just hush it away and like, no, we don't talk
0: about it. What percentage of the 250 weddings you've shot were rained on?
1: Oh, man, I... I hate to say this, this is a, might be another marketing suicide thing. I'm a magnet for rain and bad circumstances on a wedding day, man. Like I'm the guy that they call when everything else goes wrong. Like I feel like-
0: <laughs> So if anybody wants to get David, Dave a gift, send him an umbrella. Yeah. Okay.
1: Oh man, I've I've been like this past weekend, the bride knows it now, but like I had sunscreen on uh, two weekends ago, I guess it was. And I had sunscreen on and I had some like gel in my hair. And so I'm like, I'm gonna look nice for this wedding day and whatever. Well, it starts torrential downpour and I'm shooting outside. It's in, It's in the- <laughs> It's you got in got gel dark.
0: running down your face so it's in the, in the dark. I don't
1: think about it. I've got these lights going on and I'm shooting, shooting, <laughs> shooting. And all of a sudden, like this is just burning, starts happening to my like right eye. And <laughs> I'm like, something ain't right. This is something, <laughs> It's like something's real wrong. That's and then by the, like by the time I finished their portrait session, man, I couldn't see like at all. Like my eye was burning so bad. You should have got
0: organic hair gel, bro. Dude, it was, it was.
1: It was <laughs> so bad. I was driving home at night and any anytime a headlight came up against my eye, just had a sheen across it. Like I couldn't see out of my left. It was terrible. Oh it God. was
0: absolutely horrendous. That's nuts. Have you ever experienced a hailstorm like on the bride and we, groom ceremony? One of my first weddings, it hailed
1: on me. And I like, I was still like probably in camp natural light photographer at that point where, I didn't know how to use a flash or shoot indoors or stuff like that. I was still learning all this stuff. And I like go to take the couple's pictures outside. It's like May. And all of a sudden there's just this crazy hail coming down. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do about this. I'm like, it's just like absolute terror.
0: (laughs) I have to put this in there. Who are some of your favorite YouTubers? Where do you go when you just veg out on some like learning videos on YouTube? Who do you watch? So
1: I usually, this is going to, Make me sound way more productive than I am. I usually won't do YouTube or videos because it makes me have to visually engage with it. And I want to do something else in the meantime. Um, So I will usually stick to podcasts um, while I'm working. Specifically,
0: that goes back to what I heard last night at the carry living magazine, uh, uh, faces of Raleigh event. I was the photographer there. Yeah. right? So I shoot these events and the editor told me that Forbes is now predicting that audio is the going to climb ob- above video.
1: Well, people are so amped for up reason, video. for that reason we were reason. talking about. Yeah. yeah. People are so amped up on video, but like they're also like we live in a world where you almost have to multitask. Like I've tried uninstalling apps from my phone, but like no matter what happens, no matter what app I'm using, I'm always going to get that second notification and things like that. And so we've gone to this point with video where it's now become like a background noise in so many ways and then when you try and focus in on it, it just kind of gives you that diluted <laughs> Uh, that diluted perspective. And so what I found is while I'm working or while I'm trying to do something, one of the biggest impacts that I've had is by focusing in on what I'm doing and then just filling kind of my mind in the background with something else. And usually I'm, I'm finding with podcasts, man, if I'm listening to podcasts and I'm actually working on them, sometimes it's just monkey work. So you don't veg
0: out on YouTube, but if you want to learn something, you'll turn there, right? Yeah. So usually,
1: um, so the MagMod, how I shot it, channel, um, they're, Uh, it's one of those things where you see the other people that do those videos and then you're weirdly among them and they're so much better than you. So there's uh, some incredible photographers on there that I learned from. Um, Trevor Daly is putting out some kind of photography-based stuff that I've been really going to. trying to think of what other YouTube channels I've seen.
0: Who are some photographers? Who's a photographer right now that you really, whose work inspires you? So
1: there is, and I've said this, I think I've mentioned them in every every interview I've done in the last six months, um, Matt and Tara Thielen, they're adventure photographers out of Lake Tahoe and they are incredible. Uh, so first off their photography is awesome. Um, but the reason their photography is awesome is because of their heart and how much they care about other people. And I was at a, a conference in Charleston about two years ago and I'm sitting there and I had started winning awards. And so I, my photography at that point in my life and my career was about me. I could show up to somebody's wedding day and I could create something pretty impressive for other photographers. They'd get like real blown away by this stuff, which is great, but it was about me and that's what it came to. And Matt and Tara got up and Tara said, and I will never forget it. Um, Tara looks and she says, it's their wedding day, not your photo shoot. And that was her, that was her thing. And it wrecked me, man. Cause I'm like sitting in there in the back and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, of course it is. And then I'm like, wow. do I, I don't, I don't act like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we've, because I've had couples, they, they yeah. give me four hours on their wedding day to take portraits and that's what they want. And then so I'll take these crazy portraits in these crazy locations. i mean, talking about being in New York, like we've been at like battery gardens right out like right outside on the water and all this stuff. And we've taken these crazy portraits, but like those portraits, they don't, Matter Like, and I hate, I'm, I'm so hesitant to say it out loud because like nobody in the wedding world wants to say it. Everyone's about these portraits and everything, but they're, they're fake. They're they're absolutely not what matters on the wedding day. Like the grace
0: walls and the large prints. Well, So I
1: can use them to show something real. So if Mm -hmm. I get a portrait to display, Hey, this is where you got married or this is the emotions you were feeling. So then, then, then it's valuable. But I don't need to do it for four hours it's, when I could yeah. be spent having them spend time actually enjoying their wedding.
2: There's another way that, to say what you're saying is like the curated version of the wedding. Like the the yeah. idea of your wedding is what portraits capture. Yeah. But the wedding wedding is what people actually want captured. So there's yeah. value in there, Dave. See? So yeah,
1: so there's, there's absolutely value, but we don't need to. So I think as creatives, we sometimes turn it into something it's not. Uh, so like yeah. I would take it and be like, oh, well, I need at least an hour for portraits. I wonder if looking
2: back, like. I didn't get good wedding photos yep. personally. Like I hired a dude and like, and then we lost him for like a half a decade, but like he just had like a regular camera, no lighting, etc. Yep. And we got married super young, whatever. But I was, if I was to imagine looking back on my wedding pictures and we found them. And so I got to look back on them. What stood out to me was the people that aren't in my life anymore and seeing them again, um, Seeing the the moments that happened at the wedding, like the way Lori and I looked when we were saying our vows and stuff and the, the stage photos, like the one where it's like, here's eight of us standing. Here's six of us. Here's this like skip, 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 yep. skip, 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 skip. And they, they weren't the ones that because they weren't attached to a story and they didn't mean anything to be. It was the, this posed ones. And I wonder if that's what a lot of people experience. I know that's what I experienced with their wedding photos. So I could see the frustration putting myself in a situation where I might've spent thousands of dollars to get some really fancy portraits done and hang them on the wall. And I mean, I guess in a sense, the reminder you of your wedding day. Yeah. And it, but it tells, tells you story. the moments. Yeah.
0: That, you know. I don't think it's going away. Oh no, it's, it's
1: not. But I, you'd be amazed at how many people, the only reason they booked me is they're like, you were the only person. That had a moment on your website. You're the only person that mentioned. There's this this great
2: photo photo on Dave's website that is on the front of a woman being excited/slashed. Uh, surprised by an image that she's seeing on her phone that's got so much emotion in it. It's such a fun picture to look at. I think she's a bridesmaid. She's not wearing white and she's just checking out this phone and her eyes are like popping out of her head and it's like this huge emotive thing and then there's another great one of I think she was the bride but she's crying a little bit and it's a very real moment Um, I bet you were very far away when you shot that, because I'm sure there's no way she let you get that close to her. And she was crying, (laughs) but it looked like she was having a moment to herself being reflective about something. And there are photos on there that are very emotive that capture the personality of the people. Um, whereas when I was doing research and looking at other people's websites, a lot of them would put things on there that were technically proficient, right? So you could tell these are well composed, man, that hair lights right on, on that photo. He's really popping off the background, all those things, but there's no moment there. Uh, it's profession. It's proficiently good, but there's no moment there. And I think, I think that's just a rule for artists to pay attention to whether you're a photographer, whether you're a designer, whether you're a content creator, like people are looking to connect to a story. Yeah. To feel something when they look at something. And I think a mistake that we in the, in the field of being creative professionals often make is we design for our portfolio. So when you were saying that before, like a lot of people do that, a lot of people in my profession do that. They'll design a website for their portfolio, but it's not your website. That's just like, just like that very wise woman said, like, that's not your wedding day, man. It's yeah. not your photo shoot. That's, uh, that's somebody else's thing.
1: You've got to remember who you serve and yeah. you've got to remember how you want them to feel at the end of the process. And that's
2: it. We're in the service industry. And you I don't are. think a lot of people think about that. I think a lot of people think of artists as like that temperamental, if I don't get my way, like I'm going to do everything. Yeah, um, but the people that i I want to work with are the people that genuinely want to help me out and put my needs above my, yeah <laughs> my needs above the oh own. Dude.
1: I mean like I'm <laughs> buying, I'm buying a house right now. Right. And so like we're going through this process and I'm trying to find people and the, the f- first guy I connected with and uh, yeah he's trying to sell me something. All right. Cool. But then I like talk with like, um, I found an awesome realtor and I found an awesome, like, mortgage dude. I don't, I'm, I'm way in equipped for this. My, wife, be, yes. yeah. uh, my wife is one <laughs> <laughs> to handle this. Um, But like, I finally found two people and I'm like, and they're like, all right, well, what's your budget? All right. Let me see what I can do to help you get there. And, and that's their, their conversation as opposed to, no, I think you should buy this. Right. Because they're focusing on what, yeah. what they get out of it.
2: Dave and I first were talking not too long ago, maybe five or six weeks ago. We were both talking about a book that we read that we really got jazzed about, a book called Story Brand by Donald Miller. Yep. And there's a principle in this book that I thought we really connected on and it was a big part of the conversation and why yeah. we started working together on the website. But he tells this story from a marketing standpoint one of the common mistakes that small to medium sized business, big business people make is when it comes to promoting or selling their product, they think that they, the product, their services are the hero. Yep. When in reality, if you position it that way, you're in competition with people in their lives. So for example, like what this woman was talking about with the, it's not your day, bride and grooms are looking for the photographer that will help them remember their day. And so if they go to your website and your website or your marketing or your sales pitch is all about you and it's not like, how can I help you get what you want? Or like, what's your goals for your wedding day? What can I help capture? Like, what should I be looking out for? That's a whole different mindset. And you're speaking the language of solving the problem that the person wants solved. And so, so many times when we design for our portfolios or we do stuff that's in our best interest, we are eliminating ourselves as a candidate for the problem that the person is trying to solve. They're like, so they'll just move on. They'll be like, Oh, you're not the person.
1: I have a problem. And you, you think that you're the solution to a different problem than or what I have. worse or worse. They hire you and they don't realize it until it's too late. Yeah. And so it's not like, generally speaking, if you've got a problem with your message where you're bringing that across in your marketing, mm-hmm. you realistically probably have a problem inside of your business as yeah. well. Yeah. And, and like, Dave was such a great client a with his website.
2: He said, here's a problem with
1: my homepage. I look at it and it's all about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I was talking to their, uh, there's a guy who's a great videographer for uh, WRAL and him and I chat down and he said he's like I've got a shrine to me <laughs> <laughs> he's like and uh that was the way he described it I was like yep that's that's about what I got right now uh, like, that's great that's that
2: like, describes a lot of people's marketing materials in, yeah. in general yeah. well, look at how amazing I am have you seen like, my shrine <laughs> <what> you like. <laughs> you're
1: like you've got samples of your hair in there weird. man. it's weird like <laughs> you got so, your baby teeth in there too well, there's a
0: market for that as a creator we, we market to you know those, you want a shrine we build it, you know? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, Yes. What a, what a terrible way to spend your life.
1: <laughs> it's, but it's, it's so, it's so easy to get caught up in that trap because you're, you're never allowed to be proud of what you've done. And so, so many people, they use their marketing as their only place to be proud of what they've done. Mm. They don't share those joys. They don't share it because they, they forget to enjoy it. And so they built this awesome business. They've done all these things. Like I've won some crazy awards on this planet, but you know what matters more, way more than the award. It way, I, I, It yeah. mattered how I felt winning it. Waking up and then celebrating that with my wife, right. not texting my photographer friends, not the photographers that posted on my wall being like, oh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Couldn't care less. I love you all dearly. I don't care. Um, celebrating with my wife over like a cheap bottle of champagne mm-hmm. and a steak dinner that night, that meant more to me than anything about that yeah. award. And the best part about that award, like the last one I won, was that I knew I did the best I possibly could for that couple. And that is why I got that. Like that couple. Who's
0: giving out awards?
1: Oh, there's a lot in the wedding photography world. Man, there's a lot should, of awards. I learned that doing in, some research. In they the, are. In the wow. wedding photography world, people need to chill with the awards
2: because <laughs> It's like best photo, best eating of cake, best frosting, like
1: you can, listening I'm, on a nose <laughs> shot of a... I'm going to get in trouble for 2019. this. 2019. But... <laughs> Let me make
2: fun of him, David. You can stay, you can stay oh, no. out
1: of it. <laughs> no way, man. The, uh, like Wedding Wire and the Knot, they give out awards every single year, and it's basically who paid the most money, or if you had at least five people say you didn't suck on your website, you we're going to say that you're one of the best vendors in the world. So you're a
0: photographer that's known for her great work ethic and fast turnaround yeah. and excellent product and knowledge and and fun to be around. Are th- Is there anybody else out there like another, like a Dave Shade, but like the Jekyll and Hyde or like, no, like somebody like, you've seen Amadeus, right? You know yeah. how Mozart has that jealousy over the other guy? Yeah. <laughs> Savier, what's his name? I think so. Thanks. But, uh, but one was like, Maybe a better analogy would be: Is there some rebel out there who's done, not doing any marketing and just killing it? And you're like, that dude is so lucky. So, well, I, I mean, can you succeed without instilling this sort of infrastructure into your? So the
1: funny thing is, is you can succeed. And as I mentioned, like I you built a business, succeed. Well, so yeah, that's the that's the <clears> problem. So three years in a business, by everyone else's stretch, I mean I broke three hundred thousand in revenue. Um, I was in
0: and this is as an owner operator.
1: Yeah, and that's and I was in my. Early 20s, um, been married for about two years at that point. And so by everyone else's definitions of success, I mean, most photography studios, their success rate is, hey, I got 15 weddings this year and they're all at X number. Well, I had 53 weddings that I shot that year. I killed it, um, cleaned up, did everything. But I almost lost everything else. Did you
2: define those three years as a success? Oh, no way.
1: I, uh, it was the biggest failure I think I've ever had as a husband, as a business owner. like just the stuff that I shot, (laughs) it it was one of the the biggest mistakes that I've made.
0: Why is that? Weddings are on the weekends and you're never
1: home? I was shooting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, every single weekend, sometimes in multiple states in the same week. Um, What's the
0: difference now? How are you able to not be there on the weekend? I changed
1: a lot about my business. I say no to about twenty-seven weddings a year. Um on average.
2: Somewhere um, a wedding photographer was like, Can I get this man's yeah, number? Yeah, yeah. Can I He's, pick your overflow You your twenty seven pieces? And
1: uh and I turn away <laughs> I, I turn away weird ones, man. Like people they're like, Hey, are you I'm getting married July 5th. And I'm like, nope, I won't do yeah. it. they're no, like, why? I'm like, because I really like July 4th and I like spending it with my family. And they're like, seriously? Like that's you like. Easy so way. Get I, you like fireworks and <laughs> grilling? I'm like, yeah. No. Nope.
2: Can I tell you a quick story that a guy told me yesterday? I, I was got um I'm part of a networking group and often you connect with somebody and you're like, Oh, we should grab coffee. And this guy was a fantastic man. He's like on his fifth company. Um, and I quickly learned that I can get some great advice from somebody that's been there before. So I just kept asking him questions and he ended up telling a story that I thought was applicable to what you're saying. He was talking about a client who was an owner operator and, um, he knew that her, his, her time was filled up. And, um, and so he, At the end of the year, he found himself where he was like sitting down with people and giving them advice. He was in a consultant type relationship. I don't know exactly, but he'd been telling her before and he knew how she was going to respond. But he was going to have this conversation that it's time to hire. And this woman's feedback to the time was like, I can't. I can't control the quality. Don't know if it's going to be good. I can't possibly delegate the important tasks that I do for people. And this is a successful woman, right? By the terms, analogy of most people successful being like she's busy. She, I mean, she's booked uh, and she's making successful my,
1: is so, yeah. They're so and tough. so
2: the advice that he gave him and I'm not giving you business advice. I just thought it was applicable yeah. because it's what you're talking about. I'm not telling you to do this, but I thought, man, that was a wise thing to, to have this woman consider, but he said, okay, so why don't you do this? You're your business ABC. And why don't you make a new LLC and found it in your husband's name? And that's business DEF. And everybody that says no to your price point and the way that you want to do it, you tell them, all right, well, I know this company, DEF. They don't do as good as work as me, but I'll give you their contact information. They'll do at your price point and then hire contractors to do that.
1: I mean, that's why Lexus owns Toyota. (laughs) So essentially
2: the the way that the story finishes is she did about, uh, I think he said about maybe 90K more and she ended up paying contractors 45. Yep. So she banked. Forty-five-ish. If I'm a little off on the numbers, it's close to this this minute story. But for the automation of passing on the business.
1: Well, and that's the. And I think the the challenge that you'll face in business is so the the most powerful thing you have in business is the ability to say no. And so if work doesn't suit you, things like that, you have the option to say no. But the other thing that you have, which is so hard as a startup. Oh, dude, saying no to anyone early on. That's one of the reasons I kept working in the camera industry as long as I did was I was so afraid to say no early on. And then when I really learned that lesson, I was afraid to take the leap out of my full-time job you know, in right. photography only because I was that, afraid I would lose my ability to say no. Because I think when internet, you describe think-
2: the first three years of your business where you did 300,000 as an owner operator in your young 20s, which I would say most people would be like,
0: yeah, that's awesome, yeah.
2: man. Six figures a year if you divide it over the three, that's great stuff. But you define it as a failure. Do you think one of the contributing factors to the reason that you put it in the failure bucket is because you didn't know how to say no.
1: No. So the biggest reason I think I put it in there is cause I said no to everyone, but myself, yeah. I never stopped. And like, if like my wife would come in and she'd be like, Oh, can we go out on a family day today? And be like, right. oh, no, I have to get this stuff done.
2: Or ah, So your inability to say no to work made you pass on the no's to your family. Well, that's Ooh. the thing.
1: You're always saying no somewhere. Right. Every single choice we make is a yes, no. Right. Because like what, I what you say to no
2: be- to only applies because of what you said yes to yeah Mm -hmm. so like
1: my daughter comes in the room i have got to get some work done and she's like hey i want to play minecraft with you i'm like get out of here so so my option is
2: yes no right i got deep into that when the kids introduced me to it a couple years ago i'm like this game is dumb leave leave that alone i've got i've (laughs) got a mind for diamonds (laughs) it came up about six hours later like i get it minecraft is cool
1: Uh, (laughs) so like you start you start on some so but so you flip that around so say i say yes to her what am i saying no to because i'm saying no to something. And, right. it's, and, uh, and so it's funny cause I was, I've been listening to a ton of podcasts and, and one of the things, the themes that I've been hearing, it was uh, specifically a Michael Hyatt one, but he said, uh, the most successful people I know say no to almost everything. <laughs> and, uh, but it's saying no in the right way. And the funny right. thing was, is I never said no to myself. So I would always be like, oh, well, I need some time to do this, or I need some time to do this. I want to get this done, or I want to take on, I have this client, and I would say, I would approach my ideals rather than my vision. So I'd be like, oh, well, this client has a budget for me. So even though I'm not the photographer they really want, I'm going to say yes, because I think it's my ideals. Yeah. If I reapproach, it, realign that, and go like, all right, what are my bigger vision for my life? And if I can pause, look at that, and I can start saying no to the right things. Right. That's where, I mean, productivity, everything else changes. Like here,
2: I'm I'm writing the first chapter of your book on this because I think you've learned (laughs) a lot of lessons here. (laughs) I think I've heard this from a lot of podcasts and different approaches, but I didn't put it together until you were just talking a second ago that it's actually more important. It would probably be a better skill to develop to learn to say yes to the right things. Yeah. Because that's really, I think, at the core of this conversation is your priorities. If you have no priorities, you'll say yes to virtually anything that has money with it.
0: Yeah, right. and you'll get burned out.
2: Which it goes back to what you were talking about before, which is like, do you want to build a life or do you want to experience I mean, a life? So or do you many want people to live a life or whatever. They
1: live for that. They live for Friday at five, and that's the that's the that's the goal. That's the dream. Is all right. If I clock out at five on Friday. I've got yeah. Saturday and Sunday, and that's what I do. But then I worked and I built out a business. And I had the same thing. I had to run away from it to enjoy it. I would have to go hiking and turn off my phone for three hours. Like that was a big commitment. Right. Rather than approaching it. And so uh, Michael Hyatt talks about designing your perfect work week um, in his latest book, uh, Free to Focus. And he did talk about designing your perfect week. And so you go in and if you approach it with all the things you want to say yes to first, and he goes way better into this, but I'll drop all those things out on my calendar. Right. And if I put all my yeses on the calendar first the no's are super easy. They're like, no man, I'm doing this that way. Yeah. I'm doing this. And when you start to approach it that way, you, it's so easy to see it like right in front of you. Oh, you want to come over and play video games. Oh, well I'm supposed to actually spend time with my kids.
0: It's so freeing when you do the first things first or the Stephen Covey, you know, the rock in the, in the jar and the the little stuff. And And even
1: with work stuff, here's a
0: lesson that I've,
2: been learning since I started, so yeah. I I founded uh, a company that had been a freelance side hustle for a long time, and so now I've been doing it full time since January. So I'm like in that beginner mode of starting up, launch up phase, and there was this very similarly with a nine to five job that somebody's paying you for. Yeah. Some of that work was done for me, like I knew that during these hours I had this set of tasks to do. Yeah, and then when. When I became like the owner operator of my own company, it was like, "Well, I got all this free time. I got all this <laughs> stuff. and um which is true and then yeah. what happens is you stick with it, you get clients, you get busy, and the same the same the same forces of pulling you into this, I'm too busy for anything, start to come back into work and there's nobody to blame. Like there's no boss. There's no, there's no anybody up here that's, it's like you doing it to yourself. But as a business owner, you're like, oh, but I actually control all that. Like, I don't have to pay attention to that nonsense and I can schedule out my day and I can schedule it out based on my productivity. Like, for example, like I am really good at, nailing out tasks yeah early. Mm-hmm. I'm good at creative stuff in the afternoon. There's a there's a portion uh like between like eleven and one. I'm not super productive. Mm. This has been my life. This yeah. is the way that I live. I now get the opportunity to schedule it around those rhythms.
0: Uh, like, <laughs> that is so that, awesome to be aware of that in your day. Like when you operate, yeah, I've um, been aware. Are you aware of it, Dave?
1: So, yeah, I think so many people just get their, their firefighters
0: instead of business owners. Right. Everything,
1: something pops up here. Oh, I got to go put that out. Oh, something yeah. pops up here. Oh, I got to go put that out. Just do, it, it, I heard
0: it, that you know? recently. If you don't have a goal every day, you're just reacting to things.
1: Yeah, I, I try to get three things I know I can accomplish before 8 a.m. So yeah. by 8 a.m., I have those three things in my mind and then I knock yeah. those things out. And when I do those three things, I leave for the day. Before I don't just find. So, no. So if I, I'll start, I'll have the ideas in my head by 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I'll start working on them at 8.01. Mm-hmm. By the time I'm done with them, it's usually about like 30, 4 o'clock or something like that. But sometimes I knock out all those three things. It's 11.45. That means I go out in the living room and I say, hey, I'm done with work early today. What do you guys want to do? And that's it. And then I talk with my family and I actually enjoy my life, even
0: though it's a Tuesday at 1145. I love that. I struggle with that with my son because he's five or six and he's, yeah. a, he's our only kid and he's a boy. And it's like, I want to be with him and play with him and throw a ball with him and ride his bike with him and all this, but I've got to work, you know?
1: Well, and that's the, the trap we fall into is we have to work and we've got this mountain of tasks. And as business owners, we have a mountain of tasks. We have all this stuff we've got to do. We've got, we, we're everyone from accountant, sometimes this, but the truth is we would have been fired from our job, Years ago, with the way we work, because of how horribly like we're sitting there, we got Netflix on over here, we're texting, <laughs> we're like sitting there, and I've got like some weird education. Way YouTube too distracted, video.
0: absolutely. So, what do you guys think? What would you say to the person who's listening to this, who's struggling with managing all this stuff and is getting stressed out by it? What would you say to them about transitioning to a different way of looking at it and freeing up some time in their life?
1: Yeah. So my, my, and this is a process I, I've been taking photographers through for about three years now in a one-on-one environment. Um, but it's, so the main three steps to it are pause, analyze and design. So you got to pause everything. You've got to stop working for a day at minimum. I usually recommend taking two days off. This is
0: all assuming that the person's already crossed the bridge of whether or not they're doing what they're doing is in vain, right? In other words, well, are you going down the path that you're not supposed to go down and you've already easier. figured that out. Now you're on the right path.
1: See, it's easier to do it then. But the problem is, is most people their most successful year is usually the year they should be doing this. So the best year you're having in business is the time you want to pause more than any other time, because that's where you're going to set up all those bad
0: habits. That's where David Morgan, our very our second guest said about meditation. He says the number one thing you could tell small business owners is like reflection basically is what he's saying. Like sit back and look yeah. at just, but not still
1: the, the, the biggest thing is not in the bad times. Like you, when you do it in the bad times, you're seeing this as another fire to put out. When you're doing this in the good times, so, so you get like a check coming in and you see that check clear mm-hmm. and you're watching your bank account go up and up and up. It's a game that your mind then starts to go and be like, I'm working this hard and I'm getting this much money. What happens if I work this much harder? Can I get this much more money? And you start mm-hmm. doing, buying into that busy hustle, everything going. And if you don't pause that year and set up systems and set up rules. You're just going to keep chasing more and more is the
0: dumbest goal yeah. anyone can chase. Yeah, but you can be in a new car every year with a As, lease. Dude, everyone's God. got this. I mean, this, come on. Like, you can rent dresses now. Did you hear about this? Girls are renting dresses to rent wear. Right the runway. 40 bucks for a $500 dress. Why not? Well, it's kind of stupid. I think Dave Ramsey would say it's stupid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like you go in the, in the middle of your success, you just keep, you create this, this vision of more and you just, it, the bar is always moving. And if that bar is always moving, you're never going to feel that success. Whereas for me as a photographer, the less I work, the better. Like I want to have a business that serves my clients well. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I've built a good life for myself where I don't need a vacation from it. And so what that means is, you know what, a client might wait an extra day for an email from me. They know about it ahead of time. But on top of that, like I've got that email that came in. I'll get to that first thing tomorrow morning. They're not even waiting 24 hours. And instead of being on my phone while I'm sitting there supposedly playing Minecraft with my daughter, I'm fully engaged with her in that. So
0: you are an engineer by sort of trade, right? Like you you physically worked with your hands on projects and now now you're like idea engineering. You think about it. You're like time management engineering, right?
1: That's basically, that's basically what I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm looking at people, looking at the systems they have set up in their life. And I'm noticing that there's all these pieces inside of this camera. So, are
0: you going to now right. not be physically there at the weddings? Like, how do you how do you withdraw? How do you change your time when so, it comes to shooting?
1: So, what I noticed is I was I was charging a lot of money, and I was supposed to keep raising my prices for these weddings, right? And I'm I'm an expensive person to begin with, and I don't always love that.
0: Does I it feel, cost to be your friend, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. There's I, an hourly rate.
1: Yes. <laughs> and, uh,
2: we'll get the invoice for this <laughs> podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so I, I I found that my prices could keep keep on going. Up, going up, going up. Well, I realized that on in my job in specific, I've got this wedding day that I've got to shoot, and that's usually anywhere between 10 and 12 hours. Mm-hmm. So that 10 and 12 hours is set. I can't not show up on the wedding day, or I can't, I can send somebody else. But like if you're if you want to have that level of control, that level of creation that I do, I can't send anyone else. All right, I've got that 10 hours locked in. But what I can control is everything outside of that 10 hours. Got it. Whether I'm emailing them, whether I'm calling them, whether I'm scheduling automating email invoices, whatever that looks like. So I was spending an extra 47 hours per client. So is that what
2: you mean by analyze? That's the second step. Like just take an honest assessment of the way you get your crap done. So
1: you want to like, you want to ruin your, if you want to ruin your Friday afternoon, I can tell you there's a software called rescue time and you can install it on your, on your computer. And if you install rescue time, it will track every single thing you do on your computer and how much time you spend doing it. And then you, and then it gets worse because you can categorize every single thing as productive or not productive, and at the end of the week, it'll tell you exactly you how two productive. and
2: a half hours this week. That is all. And people, and
1: photographers, I I think photographers are worse than anyone else, and I'll I'll rag on them all day because I, I would be they wouldn't be hiring me if they were doing better at this, but. They're the worst at it because they will say that they worked like an 80 or 90 hour work week. A lot of people do But they do that. spent a lot of time not actually working. What they mean is I was near my computer. Oh, yeah. They were in their <laughs> office and they might have been doing something around wedding photography. Like there might have been something in that arena. Right. But they weren't actually like you're not actually intentionally learning when you've got like all this other stuff going on and everything. And so when you start to like analyze your time, it's amazing how quickly you realize
0: like, so what would you say to the person who's not like an engineer and their DNA and they're just like, I'm just approaching this. I'm abstract. Like it's, I'll never be like Dave Shea. How can they apply? So
1: that's why, that's actually why I got into doing this in, in a teaching way. And I just had people start originally asking me to help them out. Uh, and so I, because they had seen that I'd wrecked my life, I had to rebuild my business. My, my wife and I took like two years of really putting time into our marriage before we felt like we were okay again. Like we were out on a date not that long ago. And we, we said, well, you know, I, I think we're good. Like we're, we're okay. And that that'd been the first time in a long time. Cause I had done a lot of damage in the name of hustle. And so in that time frame, all of a sudden, like other photographers are reaching out like, Hey, I know you used to have some struggles with this. Like, can you mind helping me out? And so the big thing for the people that aren't there is like And talking about like me sucking at website design, like it's just, I, I made a shrine to myself. It was, it was a very pretty shrine to myself, but a shrine all the same. I found, I was like, Hey, I'm not good at this. I need to hire somebody else to come in and do it. And that's where this, this whole idea came out of was making myself available to the people that don't think like this. Cause I'm a, I'm a bridge between the people that are super, super technical and the people that are like, I just want to take pretty pictures in a field, screw everything else. <laughs> like I
2: really want to be that bridge for them. I love so. the approach Dave had in our first sit down. He's like, so I did the math and I looked at like how much I want to make per hour. And then I estimated how long it's going to take me to fix my website. And that's why I want to give
1: you money. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
2: Because ultimately this is going to save me
1: yeah, uh, tons of money. <laughs> great approach. And man. we we approach it that way. The best way to get a raise tomorrow is to decrease the time you're putting into something. So if you can look at your business and you can go, I can eliminate yeah. three hours here. And this is just a very cultural idea.
2: I think people want to disagree with that. Oh, they point. want
1: to fight me tooth and nail on this. But so when I started out, I'm spending... But now 15, we're into design, right? So we were talking yeah. about... We were
2: talking about pausing you got to pause at the best part then analyze yep and um i was going to mention just another thing for analyze you're like how do you if you don't care about that you don't buy into that just apply like the principle of the the pareto principle that 80 of the results come from 20 of the work mm-hmm. yeah. and use that as a filter and be like what what 20% of my effort the last three months resulted in 80% of my income? Cause Mm -hmm. I bet it's real close. It might, it's probably higher. It's probably what 10% of my effort resulted in 90% of my income. And what that should do is help you understand like that other 90% of your time, you're working 90% of your time for 10% of your results. What if you said, screw that 10% of effort, or 90% of effort that's giving me 10% results, I'll happily lose that. Yeah. And I'll focus on the 20% of work.
1: Uh, it's we're, we're that's where that analyst comes like, cause really in a play, man, because like we are wasting our time outside of our strengths. And so there's so much, so much opportunity to grow our businesses and make more money just by focusing in the right direction. And that's where that, that, that final step really comes into play because I want people to look at what their strengths are, analyze them out. once they've got like, all right, this is what I'm really good at. This is where I can drive focus. So like Donald Miller actually just talked about this in a podcast this week. He said, I want to be writing more than anything else. He's like, I'm making money for my company if I am writing. So now he's got two blocks on his calendar that he does nothing but write.
0: Donald Miller. I know you're listening to this and you are a <laughs> cool dude, man. You're welcome on our podcast. Anytime <laughs> we, we've read your books and we love talking about you. Thank you.
1: And, uh, And it's awesome because like, he's got that, he's got that in his mind where this is where I'm the most effective and this is what I want to do. And so when we come to that design, that design principle, the most important thing is to look at things and go, all right, you need to spend your time doing these three things. This is where you're going to be the most productive. These things have to get done. Mm -hmm. So you've got the option between delegating them, automating them or doing them yourself. So you can do this sort of stuff as well, but you're able to pull all this stuff out. So like when I started this, I was spending 47 hours on the back end per client. And I was spending 10 hours shooting their wedding, right? So Do you find that there's hours.
2: another category? Because I think a lot of people put in the have to be done category, stuff that they're lying to themselves that has to be done.
1: Oh, yeah, that's the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is the third it category. It has that. to be done. <laughs> no one does it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Burn it. I have to post in Facebook groups about this picture that I took so that <laughs> other people can tell me how awesome it is or whatever. Uh, it's probably different per industry, but there's all sorts of stuff that people just shouldn't be wasting their, uh, wasting their time on at all. Is
0: that part of ambassadorship contract? is that you're required to post a certain so amount? So I do
1: it. Yes, I do it. I'm on a social media. So like I've, I've got like, uh, some people will send me certain equipment and I'll test it out or something like that. And I've got to do reviews or just post stuff out. Okay. And so with that stuff, but even that what I've done is I've set it up where I've got a system for it now. So when I first started out, I'd shoot something and then I'd go and I'd do it. So now once a month, I update a folder for, I shot this with this light. I shot this with this modifier, I shot this with this softbox, whatever it is. And then I update that folder and then I have it auto post.
0: Yeah.
1: So now I've gone in and I've taken what used to be a 10 to 45 minute task that I would interrupt more important work with yeah. that I'm serving my clients and doing all this other stuff. And so I've taken that 10 to 45 minutes and now I've reduced it to a five minute task once a month.
0: Are you super excited about software now for like time management and invoicing and all that sort of thing Do you use 17 hats or anything? Yeah.
1: So I'm actually, so this is actually perfect timing. So I, I use a system called Tave. Um, mm. So it's super powerful. So there was a little bit of a learning curve years ago. They've spent a little bit of time kind of fixing on that. And I also use a gallery delivery called Shoot Proof. Um, oh yeah. I use Shoot Proof well so Love shoot it. proof yesterday that sounds like acquired a, I swear, acquired uh, uh, tave studio manager that's which um i am 10 types of excited about because I love so both cool, softwares. Man. I actually know both teams pretty well. I work with the Tave team pretty closely.
0: And um, how does Tave helping the overall workflow there?
1: So Tave, they, it was built um, originally by an engineer who helped start a photography company. So a software engineer. And so he's got that like super technical background to him. Um, and he's now working with teams of photographers. So they're bridging that gap again, where from technical to creative, they're really doing a good job at filling that middle ground. And so it automates everything for me, man. Like I have, my blog posts are automated. Like there is so much stuff you can do inside the software. So I have 47 emails that send to every single client that I work with from the time they book me to the time they are done with me. They won't hear from me again. Those 47 emails, I don't send those out. If it used to take me five minutes per email, which is really being generous because I'm really horrible at email. So it used to, so if you're talking like five minutes, it was really more like 15, but
0: so what's the difference in having Tave and ShootProof so interlink versus using another uh, uh, workflow software and separately using ShootProof to deliver photography? Uh, so the main
1: thing for me, um, so I can track all my invoices and orders and everything right built into the system, but I also have like automated links that link the two together. Um, so I've got a lot of that stuff where I send out l- links to the couple after their wedding. I say, hey, here's this, here's this for you guys. This is what your gallery looks like. But also here's, here's a link for
0: your Here's couple. where you signed to pay the check, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's sort of all, of that, most that, of that stuff yeah. is
1: done inside of Tave, but it's, it's the back and forth of the two, how seamlessly they play together. And honestly, the future that uh, yeah. I couldn't be more excited about that particular announcement, mm-hmm. but it's crazy how much time you can save out of things by just investing in like, Tave, like, so before Tave, I was paying 75 bucks a month for a CRM and Tave is like 23, 24 bucks a month, somewhere in there.
0: Jeez, man. How, um, did, how was anybody a wedding photographer before this technology?
1: Oh man. Like I watched, <laughs> I watched people ruin their marriages before this. Cause they just spent all their time doing it. Like that was it. That's all they did. So like, I'm talking to like 47 automated emails at five minutes yeah, a email. Like yeah. that's crazy amount of time saving. Yeah. So now start to finish from that 47, 57 hours that I started with, yeah. I spent about 25 hours total per client.
0: So you were like a prism of creative and time management photography knowledge, like a prism of awesomeness.
2: <laughs> so I'm curious I, if somebody wanted to benefit from the experience that you've said, I know that something yeah. you said you're passionate about one, you're passionate about, um, being there for couples because you're passionate about the relationship, which I like to think is probably the reason for your success. Yeah. And then, secondly, now you're at the point where, as people have talked to you and seen the way that you've kind of made your way through the last five, 10 years of as a wedding photographer, is that right? Five, 10 years?
1: Yeah. Just, I think 10 years is coming up pretty
2: soon. And you've had a couple of people reach out and be like, can you help me out with this? And, yeah. And how can people, get involved with that element of the coaching side that you're doing. Like yeah. if, if you're a wedding photographer and you listen to this or you're in a similar industry and you're like, man, I could use help with this specific thing. What's, what's the next step that people could reach out to you?
1: Yeah. So I'm actually, so I'm starting to launch a little bit more of a scalable thing. So I, I really noticed that I was doing these one-on-one and I was able to hit one person's business super effectively. And sometimes I would hope that they would go and help somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to make that a little bit more scalable where I can reach more people at once. Um, so we're actually starting up a Facebook group. There's a, there's going to be a lot more information on my website, which is DaveShay.com. Or the better way to get to my website is S-H-A-Y my- Yes. Well, the easier way to remember it is my photographer loves will go <laughs> directly to my website and no one forgets that. So you yeah. can always uh, load funny. that up. Where
0: is the you've traveled a lot? Where's the best taco you've ever had?
1: Oh man. So this is this is so so I always have to preface this because California people get whoa defensive about their tacos. I have not been to California.
0: What? That is such a shocker.
1: I know. I just, I've shot weddings all over. I've shot in 26 states, never in Cali.
0: Um, You know, it's the most biodiverse state on the uh, North American continent. I did not. Yeah.
1: I just heard they had cool avocados or something. I don't remember what the. uh...
0: Yeah. Well, that's part of the biodiversity. Avocados (laughs) and cactus. And seals. And horses and seals. I mean, there's just so many things. Just you can throw see. everything in there. Yeah. We just described, like, those are the reasons you should go to California. So I'm just yeah? surprised you never, I mean, I Squishy green
1: <laughs> fruit, vegetable things <laughs> and seals. Oh, yeah. Let's put those in some photos, man. We get, like, California hate mail on my website now. So where's like, your best taco? It's the best tacos I've had, and I'm, I'm, like, terrified to say it, but they were over in Durham.
0: Really? I love to hear that because they're local. We are local yokels here. We Is are it, in the triangle. What's the name of the
2: taco place? What do you, what do you think the name of the taco place? I've heard somebody describe to me. I haven't been there yet. I want to go. It has a weird name. Yes. It's something like Crucial Taco or something like ah, that. I haven't, yeah. I
1: haven't heard of that one yet.
2: I'm probably saying it wrong.
1: But. I've been working my way around the triangle. So I've been, I've been trying to, uh, all these other ones. But the best fish tacos I've had in my life were at Mez Contemporary. Uh, just Contemporary Mexican. So they're not like Viz. food truck fish tacos. Like, that's the big thing to know. It's like a fancy... Fancy taco, but they are out of this world. Is this the
0: one in Durham? Yep. Ooh, I feel a Durham trip coming on. Yeah. Coming on. it's so good over there. Hey, if you ever need a photographer that like just shoots you, while I love saying shoot you. People don't like it. It's not politically correct. You know, I have a second shooter, that sort of thing. It's like it's sad I have to change saying that.
1: I've shot a president.
0: The second shooter
1: oh. on the hill I've, I've shot, a, I've shot a, president. a president with a second shooter. Have I've you, shot a vice president. I've shot, uh, I've shot Gavin DeGraw. I, it'd be funny
0: if you're I like, if you're like national security, a, a good <laughs> ad for not. you would be if, imagine you're like a secret serviceman with the thing. And then the camera pans down and you know, thing in the ear, right. The, yep. And then the camera pans down and shows you holding something. And then you've, you, you, you signal to the guy, you speak in the ear and you say, okay, they're in position. Take the shot. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, and it pulls back into the camera, and it's your second shooter in the <laughs> ceremony.
1: That would have been so much less threatening than actually
0: doing those <laughs> any of those things. <laughs> um, man, that's great. So, 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 can I actually be a photographer for you? And whenever you do these talks, I'll shoot you from the back of the room. And then I just don't pay an admission fee and I will do a Thank deal like know. that. Yes. That way I get access to what you're saying. And you get photo- photography. <laughs> there, is there we go. Is that Just a kinda, cut a deal. Yeah. Right on the public air. Everybody heard it, right? You got 25,000. He <laughs> legally binding. Okay. <laughs> Dave, say yes. Okay. You can edit a yes we'll from earlier. Right? Later. Yeah. I'm sure he said
1: yes. <laughs> to and one, I know. I, I, I did talk about no
0: a lot earlier. Okay. On, okay. I have so. a question for you. Nerdy. Let's geek out a little bit. If you're on a yeah. desert Island with your camera, what, if you had one lens, what would it be? 85. Really? Yep. So I'm I, only, like, I, only, I only shoot with two lenses.
1: Re- no. So I have five lenses in my bag. Um, and I, I actually keep a running count on this. And this is more the nerd side of things. Can I guess
0: I, what the other one is? Yeah. So you're running around a wedding. You've got a bag sitting in the corner with some lenses in it. But on you, you've got two lenses. Do you yep. have two bodies? Yes, I do. So two bodies. You wear the uh, moneymaker or yep. the Old other fast. stuff? You wear the brown one or the black one? Black one. You're awesome, dude. <laughs> I knew it. Um, so what um, the other lens would be? You're shooting 85 and you're probably shooting a 24.
1: That's smart. So most people guess 85, 35, but yeah, I'm, I'm all in camp 24, both primes, So, so it's what, 85, dude? 24 all day long.
0: I'm running around with a Fuji, um, 16, which is a 24 equivalent. And, yep. um, the 56 is 85 equivalent yep. as, as a and way those to are learn.
1: Beautiful lenses. Um, they are gorgeous, gorgeous lenses. Um, and that's, that's actually the reason I shoot Nikon. The reason I, I originally signed up with Nikon is I tried every single camera manufacturer's 85 millimeter lens and Nikon's blue, everyone else is out of the water. Um, so
0: how do you, what does it mean when a photographer says they're beautiful? They're so beautiful. There's such a beautiful lens. Like, what does that oh, mean? Man. All right. So <laughs>
1: without going too deep level on this, so the, the, there's a few things. So there's, there's going to be a character to every lens, whether or not it has like a specific thing that makes it stand out the way it renders bokeh, the way it renders light color, whatever that looks like. I've got film lenses from 30 years ago that I'll mount on my stuff and the colors are atrocious, but they're sharp as anything. And so there's going to be a little bit of an impact there. So there's going to be sharpness, there's going to be performance. Um, and there's going to be like things like weather sealing and things like that, but what I care about more than anything else is the out of camera look that I'm going to get out of that lens and the performance of it. So performance is be all end all to me. Out of camera, way. meaning JPEG? So, I, I mean, so the colors raw. will shift per lens. And I think a lot of people think the colors are always in the camera. The way that the lens is actually going is going to real have a real big impact on the color. Um, and so there, there was... The
0: way it's built and the glass it's used. Yeah, so
1: the glass, the coating, the coating is a big deal. So the coating's on top of lenses uh, and each piece of glass in there. And some, some have up to like 10 or 15 pieces of actual individual pieces pieces of glass inside of single lens, the coatings that go on there have a real big impact on how light comes through that and what gets seen and how it gets picked up. And so it, it makes a big
0: difference. So you shoot a, an entire wedding with a 24 and a 85 and you pull out the zoom when it's like the close ups of the ceremony, something like that.
1: Usually I, I try to, so I will occasionally use a 70 to 200 during, during ceremony. Um, it's pretty rare. Usually what I do is I have a second shooter that I have with a, with this, like a longer lens. Like I've got a guy that shoots with me all the time. He's got like a 300 or 400 millimeter lens and he can kind of get a
0: lot closer. Yeah, He's like in the bathroom and he's still working. My
1: thing, I keep a, so an 85 gives me the distance where I can still be close enough to the couple to get their emotions, but far enough away where I'm not really like Camped out, and I, I'm ready for what's happening. So why don't I'm you not, just carry a zoom? I don't like them. <laughs> um, I I was kind of trained on on primes, um, so I start I shot a lot of Leica stuff um, when I first started out. Leicas were rangefinders. Um, the Leicas that I shot were rangefinders outside of the medium format, and they had I was manual focused. so it was a real big adjustment. But I just got kind of comfortable moving instead of zooming. Yeah, and so
0: it feels kind of weird for me. I believe I, it's true that we create better shots because we work for it.
1: Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it really does. I like that. There is a guy in uh, a great photographer out of New Jersey. His name's Josh Lynn. Um, and when I first started shooting with him, he shoots with two lenses all day long, traditional wedding kit, 2470, 7200 And that's his, that's his stuff. But man, he can hit anything. Like anytime we're shooting together, I'll like, I'll get something. I'm, I'm pretty sure I got it. And I look over to him. He's like, I got it. And I'm just like, man, like, and it is, there is that, like that level of trade-off. And so like, sometimes I'll get things where I'm like, yeah, man, I I knocked that out of the park. But there's sometimes where like, even with a 24, like I'm backed up to a wall. I can't move any further. And I'm like, oh man, I'm, I better get this right. And so there are some times with the, like the, the what is that a 1.4, that 24? Yeah. So Nikon, so I use the Nikon series 24. And And that's where they
0: really come into play. And that low light at those weddings you got. Well,
1: well, so the 1.4 is always, everyone's always like, oh, I don't need the 1.4. I don't, I don't shoot it wide open or whatever. But the, the, the big thing about the, the 24 specifically is it doesn't distort on the edges. So I can use that 24 to take portraits. Um, And that's a big deal to me because I use it a lot. And so, in that technical aspect, it allows me to do my job better than any other twenty four on the market because I'm going to get some Boeing, I'm going to get some like a little bit of distortion on those edges, whereas that Nikon twenty four man, it is perfect. Uh, You can put straight lines right on the edge and you'll be fine.
0: Wow, that's great. I'm glad we live in the era of awesome lenses, Uh, dude. The and camera bodies. I mean, they're all. I don't want to
1: hear a photographer complain about anything. The the stuff that we have at our discretion right now makes our job so easy like sometime like
2: 400 years ago there's a guy like i just i can't draw fast enough
1: at my cousin's <laughs> wedding I mean, like there is, there is no, (laughs) (laughs) there is no people group that I have no tolerance complaining for. Like I have photographers complaining. Like if I hear you, I'm like, you have the best job in the world. Shut your face. Listen (laughs) here,
0: you bitchy little pixel peeper. (laughs) I
1: get, I get so aggressive and I'm like, dude, you got to stop. Like you're arguing about whether or not you should be fed at a wedding. Like that's your, that's your point of tension. Like think about the fact that you're even having that argument is ridiculous. (laughs) I worked that's in construction funny. if i if i ever went like to like i'm signing like my signing on paperwork to work with this guy and he's like he's like yeah I'm like don't fall off of the roof and die oh and i need a hot meal every day at like 6 p.m <laughs> <laughs> he'd be like yeah you're not no <laughs> you're uninvited oh, awesome. to this work condition
2: well David it was a lot of fun talking to you thanks for coming on the podcast man, yeah. today man absolutely
1: it was fun hanging I out really with you guys appreciate yeah it. you
2: can find out more about david dave at and um i looked it up while well, you guys were talking about lenses, because I kind of, I'm not that into it. The uh, the taco place I was thinking is Chronic Tacos in Raleigh is what I was told was really good.
1: I have heard that. But I haven't
2: been there, so I can't really endorse it, but it was bugging me that I couldn't remember who told me there was a good taco place. It was Adam Lee from Hope Community Church. He said Chronic Tacos. He vouches for it. You got to check it out. There you go. the chronic. (laughs) And um, you can also, from that consulting standpoint, go to Dave's website, check out the the portion of his website called For Photographers. And you can find out more about like coaching opportunities and how to work with Dave if you're a photographer in that field.
1: And there will be some free stuff popping up there in the next couple months. Um, So there's a lot of fun stuff coming on that
0: page. So definitely keep an eye out over there. Dave Shea Photography dot com right just dave shea dave Shea.com, even my photographer easier
1: loves tacos right yep my photographer loves tacos.com dot <laughs> will get you the same place is
0: dave shea photography taken uh, i don't know That's i know I own to dave dot photography. nobody's gonna type all that yeah <laughs> <laughs> we ain't got time, <laughs> <Nobody> got <laughs> time <for> <laughs> somebody's gonna put
2: alexa or google into our internet search so we don't gotta worry about typing stuff anymore thanks yeah. big dave
0: shea appreciate you man absolutely man yes have a great day later y'all see ya Thank you for listening to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. Get unstuck,
2: tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what are you doing today?